welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we sit down with Stephanie Center, a holistic occupational therapist and host of the podcast, The Daily Detox with Stephanie Center. Stephanie's mission is to help individuals get and feel well. Her company, The Holistic House, was sparked from her own health experience, which she shares with us today. Stephanie is a wealth of knowledge. She works to offer natural, effective, and evidence-based solutions for a thriving and healthy life. We also had the pleasure of being on Stephanie's podcast last year, and you can find the link to that episode in our show notes. Today, we have an incredible discussion on physical health and wellness. We discuss her incredible personal health journey and talk a lot about thyroid health and the liver, including Stephanie's 10-day liver detox program. Our liver has over 500 functions that are responsible for cleaning, detoxifying, and extracting nutrients. It is truly a fascinating conversation. Also, we wanted to remind our listeners that on January 27th at 6 p.m. PST, we will be hosting our first virtual coaching event of 2021. The theme is how to read nutrition labels and why ingredients matter. It will be a fun, interactive group coaching event, and you can find the link to buy tickets in our show notes. Enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. 
If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot believe I'm on your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to chat with you and really interested in your story. You have such a, um, just like a wide array of knowledge as well. Um, so to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your own personal health journey? And then we'll get into the work that you currently do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my story is a little long. Um, I guess to start off with, you should know that I, by trade, I'm an occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. So I work in the realm of physical medicine. So by trade, I am naturally more holistic. Mm -hmm. We don't prescribe medications or anything like that in our, in our, in my field of practice. And I feel like that's important for you to know because I navigated my health journey knowing a little bit about medicine because I work in a hospital. That's where, that's kind of my realm of expertise. And so I have always been a really healthy person. And one day, it was June 20th, 2018, like I will never forget, I woke up and like, there's no other way to say this. I couldn't poop. <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> go to the bathroom. Yeah. And not to be like a graphic person, but I was a two time a day or before that. Like yeah. I was healthy, happy. And if if you have never experienced constipation, it is like the most uncomfortable thing on planet Earth. Yeah. And I went. 17 days without being able to go to the bathroom. And in the 17 days, it's kind of funny. My husband and I, we were on a trip with some friends to California, ironically. We were in Napa, Sonoma. And it was like the joke while I was there, like, oh, Steph can't poop. Let's see. Let's like load her up with food because <laughs> she can't go. But um, anyways, when I came back home you know, when you go, when you want to make an appointment with your doctor, it's like, okay, well, she can meet you on, you know, Tuesday, the 12th of August or whatever. Like it's far into the future. Yeah. So I was like, I can't wait until then to poop. So I went to the emergency room and I had never been to the emergency room before as a patient. I have worked in the emergency room before and 
that was a very humbling experience to be like, um, excuse me, doctor, I can't poop. Um, and so <laughs> I go there and of course, my, in, in my head, I was like, I have a small bowel obstruction. I know it. I have it. I Stuff is coming in. It's not going out. There's one tube from your mouth to your butt. That's what it is. That's what it has to be, a small bowel obstruction. Well, they did an x-ray and the x-ray tech goes, wow, you're really constipated. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Thanks. Um, and so I did not have a small bowel obstruction. And they, and I also, I feel like I should mention, I got no relief at this point. They told me, they gave me, a, wrote me a prescription for an enema and said, okay, go to the pharmacy across the street and get you one of these and go home and do the enema. So I said, okay, thanks. So I went home and I did that and nothing, nothing happened. Oh my I was, gosh. Yeah. And now I have so much grace for anybody that tells me they can't poop. Yeah. because of this. <laughs> but uh, so I, at that point I was like, okay, what, what, what did my mom tell me when I was a little kid? Like I was just thinking like prune juice and <laughs> I did Miralax like crazy. And just I, like at this point I just needed to, like, I didn't really care how I wasn't right. about trying to be holistic. I was about, okay, you have these toxins in your body or not even, I wasn't even about toxins at that point. I, was, I need to get some relief because I was at the point where I couldn't eat anymore because I was so full that I would throw up if I were to eat. And right. that's no fun. So I finally was able to go to the bathroom with the help of like way too much Miralax, way mm -hmm. too much. And I knew that something was off. I knew something was wrong. So I made an appointment with a gastroenterologist. And when I went into his office... You know, you have like four minutes and 37 seconds with these guys, right, to give them your life story. And mm -hmm. so I, I wrote out like at this point I had like my poop diaries is what I called it. I had my little journal of like, here's when this started. Here's what I did. No, I didn't need anything funky because I thought maybe food poisoning. I don't know. And all I knew at this point was traditional medicine. I didn't really understand functional medicine at that point in time. And so I didn't know what root causes could have contributed to this. Mm -hmm. And I do have a family history. My grandfather passed away of colon cancer. And so he was, he was really advocating for me to do a colonoscopy. And even though I told him, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is my small intestines. Like I feel like crap about 45 minutes after I eat, there is no way it's making it to my colon at that point in time. But you know, they, they kind of don't listen to you. I I don't want, I don't want a blanket statement for doctors. Certainly that's not the case for all doctors. This doctor, I felt like I was being brushed off. I was 29 at the time and looked healthy. And so I went forward with the colonoscopy and I, I got the peace of mind. I did not have colon cancer and, but I still felt like crap. And he started prescribing me some medications that would help me go. And the medications, none of them really helped me. Like that still underlying issue was still there. And some of them actually made me feel really, really bad. And so I thought, okay, this is not, this is not working out so great. And 
several months had gone by at this point because, you know, you, when you try to get to the gastroenterologist, again, you're talking about like a four month wait. So I waited about four months before I could even get in to see him. And then you're talking more time to get the scope. So we're talking maybe six months from my uh, set onset of symptoms to this experience. And now at this point in time, I am, I look like I'm eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. I am down to like one meal a day because my body just could not, like I could not, it just hurt. It just was too painful, too uncomfortable. And, and then, you know, just when you're not getting those nutrients and your gut's not absorbing them, other things happen and my hair started to fall out and I've always had super thick hair. And that was like, Whoa, what is, what is happening? And so my talking, you know, Allie, you mentioned your intuition with your, with your cancer journey. I had a kind of similar experience in that my intuition was going, uh, uh-uh, like something is not right. I'm not, yeah. I, I kept getting more and more symptoms. And then, it, and then I started having panic attacks, which is something that I've never experienced before. And my panic attacks were a hundred percent of them were at 3 AM. So I would be sleeping and they would wake me up and I would feel like I can't breathe. Um, which is not something that, yeah, I'd ever experienced before. So I knew I was spiraling, right? My body was waking me up in the middle of the night to tell me, Steph, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You've got to figure this out. Yeah. Uh, so I went to my, my primary care physician and I did know enough about the body to know that the thyroid is like the canary in the coal mine. And I said, okay, I'm losing hair like crazy. I'm like sleeping like crazy. I, I'm sluggish. I don't, my digestion's bad. Can we check my thyroid, please? And she said, oh, sure, sweetheart. Yeah, we can do that. And she measured my, the first time she measured my thyroid, she measured my TSH, which you're probably familiar with as a thyroid stimulating hormone. Mm -hmm. It's produced in your pituitary gland. It's, it's an important, it's an important uh, piece, but it's not really a great measurement of thyroid performance. Um, And my TSH was normal. I personally, I consider TSH a CYA move because your pituitary gland is like in the middle of your brain. And so if there's something wrong with your TSH, there's something really wrong with you. Mm. And so I feel like that's kind of the cover your butt lab. And I came back to my primary care physician. I said, thank you so much for measuring TSH. Can we go ahead and just do a full thyroid panel? And she said, sure, fine. So I go to the lab, get my results. And this time she measured TSH and T4. Okay, great. Your T4 is your resting thyroid. Again, it's not measuring active thyroid. And I asked for a full panel. So I went to her one last time. I was like, okay, third time's going to be a charm. And I'll never forget this. I went into the, the lab and the phlebotomist drawing my blood. I said, okay, can you measure my, my antibodies, my anti-TPO, my anti-TG, my T3, my reverse T3? are you capable of measuring these things? And he said, sure. Yeah, of course. And I said, that's great. You know what? I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and write it down on the lab paper just, just to make sure. <laughs> and 
<laughs> so I'm writing these things down on the lab paper because that's what they mail in and that's what the, the lab is going to read. And so I knew that and I knew, okay, if I just write this down, right? And as I was leaving that blood draw, this, this older lady in the waiting room tugs on my jacket as I'm leaving and she goes, okay, what was that last one? She's like, I'm about to get my thyroid measured too. And I thought, oh my God, what did I just start? <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, they did not measure a full thyroid panel. On the third attempt, I got TSH, T4, and then T3. And what was interesting about this lab, and at this point in time, I'm, I have started to look elsewhere for answers, and I had, I, I had always been a fan of Mark, Dr. Mark Hyman, so I knew about functional medicine. And at this point, I was looking, I was looking to kind of his circle for, for answers because I was like, I got to figure this out myself. Nobody's going to figure this out for me. And my T3 was 2.24. And I, I, I was in my doctor's office and she goes, Steph, it's still within range. It needs to be 2.18 or lower for us to do something about it. And I said, and I won't say your name, doctor, are we, are we treating the lab or are we treating me? Because I'm coming to you saying, I don't feel good. Regardless of what that T3 number is, I don't feel good. And if we're thinking it's because of that T3 number, are you trying to tell me that that number has to get worse and I have to feel worse in order for you to do something about it? And so that's when I realized, okay, I need to find somebody else who can listen, who will listen to me and will help me. Yeah. And so I found a doctor who, she is an MD, but she has her IFM certification with functional medicine. She also has her IIN, like you guys. Um, and she was the one who, when I told her my story, she looked up at me and she goes, has anyone ever tested you for mold? And I said, no, like my lungs are fine. I can you know, I associated mold with respiratory illness. And she goes, oh, honey, mold is really an issue in Tennessee. And I moved to, to Nashville right outside, right after grad school. And of course, you're, you know, broke after grad school and you're living in old houses and, and whatnot. And somewhere along the way, I got exposed to mold. And when I got my blood tests back, I was like unmeasurable for two different types of black mold and then vomitoxin, which is a mold that comes from wheat, barley, rye, and corn. And I was having a lot of gluten sensitivity at the time. And I think that that is why. Mm. And what's the, the kicker for me is that like treating mold is not a Sisyphean task. It's, it's not necessarily easy but it's an exposure, right? It's something that you can detox the body from and get better. But I wasn't getting better through the traditional medicine route. They weren't, and I, and I, gosh, I'm such a like pest. I was meeting, I worked, well, I still work at a hospital, but I was meeting with the CEO of the hospital saying like, first of all, here's why I'm not a customer of your services anymore. Second of all, here's, here, like, let's talk about this because I think you want your hospital to be good. Let's have a conversation about things that we can do because I don't think I'm a snowflake. I don't think I'm the only person that, 
So is it that we're, the doctors aren't given enough time with their patients? Is it that in that four minutes and 37 seconds, he didn't think to test me for mold? Is it that there's not a really good ICD-10 code for testing for mold because that's not something that my doctor's office normally tests for? It's a blood test. It's easy. It's simple. Why aren't we doing it? Um, and so just having those, those kind of meaningful conversations with him and, and kind of coming to the consensus of, Okay, I think there is a time and a place for traditional medicine. Absolutely. If I get hit by a bus, I'm the first person to go to the emergency room. Right. But for chronic illness, what I was suffering from was chronic. I don't think that that, was, that should have been my first course of action. And it was a wake-up call for me because I work in medicine. Why didn't I know that? Why didn't I have... It just, it just really opened my eyes. And so I changed the practice that I was doing as an OT in the hospital because of that. And I changed, you know, and I don't want to discount what OTs do. Learning how to put on your shoes and socks after a stroke is a big deal. You, gotta, you have to know how to do those things. But I found myself being like, oh, you had your gallbladder removed. <clears throat> have you talked to your doctor about how you're going to digest fats? Oh, I don't, what are you talking about? Oh, well, that's the organ in your body that helps you to do that. Do you, have you heard of a digestive enzyme? You know, things like that, that people just, I can't tell you because they order, they order PT and OT for every gallbladder removal. And I can't tell you like a hundred percent of them didn't know that that was how they digested fat. And so I thought, okay, I, in, in order for me to stay in integrity with myself and the work that I want to do on this planet. I have got to help people in a better way than just staying in the hospital. And so that's why I'm here and doing what I'm doing. And it is so, let me tell you, like I'm shaking, sharing my story because it's so hard. Um, it's not a, it's not a pretty sexy story. Um, I lost like 75% of the hair on my head. That's not, that's not cute. Um, talking about poop, that's not cute. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's what brought me to where I am today. And I also, I, I left out a piece. Um, I had multiple scopes. I, after my first colonoscopy, it was actually a bad scope. They couldn't get a good read. So they had to do another one. And I ended up going to a, a second and third gastroenterologist. And at this point, when I met with him, I was convinced I had SIBO mm -hmm. because I, you know, looked like I was pregnant and I felt bad right after I ate and this is like a year and a half into my problem. And I went to him and I said, okay, I think I have SIBO. I need two weeks of Zyfaxin. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what's, what it is. Yeah. And he goes, okay, well, I really think we need to do an endoscopy and colon another colonoscopy. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Because SIBO is a breath test, right? Yeah. You're looking for hydrogen or methane gas. It's not, okay. And you do it at home having, having yeah. done it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Super, yeah, did not need to be invasive. And in fact, you cannot diagnose SIBO with an endoscopy. Fun fact. That's not how you, you can't see the, you can't see it that way. Even if you're taking a biopsy, you can't see it that way. So he, he did the, the scope and I was like coming, I was waking up after this procedure and he asks me, so have you ever heard of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Girl, I wanted to smack him. <laughs> I wanted to smack him. Um, After you had already suggested that prior to the scope? Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Wow. And you know what? I was wrong. That's not what I had. I had CFO. Right. I had small intestinal fungal overgrowth. So I was on the right track. It was listening right. to my body and I was on the right track. I just didn't have the education or knowledge to know the, the nuanced differences between the two. 
Um, and then once I treated CFO, that's when I was, that's when I got to feeling better. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. It's wow. I mean, wow, that's a big journey. And I know some of like talking about this medical stuff can not feel sexy, but I also think it's so important because we all, um, a, everybody poops and like yeah. we also <laughs> learn a lot from, from our digestion, like from what's happening. It tells us signs about what's going on in our body or what's not going on in our body. So, um, we really appreciate you sharing, sharing your story with us. And, you know, something that just like jumps out at me automatically is you're talking about like, you didn't have the knowledge to like go here or go there, but but then I'm like, but you also have so much more knowledge than any sort mm-hmm. of like average person that's not a not in medicine, but even within the context of medicine, like so many people, even like what do they say, like doctors on average get 19 hours of just basic nutrition, and it's not even like relevant. A lot of it's like in order to treat sort of weird diseases that you can only get on certain continents and like, you know what I mean? Like certain like nutrient things that you would like, we don't have, how do we, how do we get that unless we do it on our own? And you've done a ton of it on your own because when you're motivated enough to try to start feeling better, but like you also had such an incredible framework because of your background as an occupational therapist, understanding the body in a different way. Most people, unless they're in some sort of medical practice, don't even have that to begin with. So this idea of like, not knowing what to ask for. I mean, like your story is so important because I don't even know that like people would know to go get a thyroid test or know what needs to be tested within the context of a thyroid test. Yeah. I think that's what like, I mean, listening to your story, it just, it made me so sad for like those same reasons Ali just mentioned, because here you are advocating, right? Like when you were talking about your thyroid, you knew it wasn't a full panel. Like you knew what was Mm. going on, but I was like, this is why, right? So many Americans are just so used to feeling so bad all the time because they, they feel sick, like, right. And something was seriously wrong with you, right? Like not going to the bathroom for 17 days. Like that's not like, I mean, everything is every feeling is important, but you hear so many people, right? Like they feel something and their doctors tell them, oh, it's just in your head, have a glass of wine, relax. Mm -hmm. Right. But like not going to the bathroom for 17 days is like, that's like medically everyone agrees we should all be going to the bathroom. (laughs) It's like for, for you to have like an actual, like, it's just, it just, it makes me so sad that Mm -hmm this is obviously why so many people are just so used to feeling so bad and they think that that's normal, right? Like they think it's normal to feel bad and it's not. And so how then, right now you do all this work, right? With, Mm. with, um, helping people who don't feel good and from a holistic approach, how did that transition? Like you mentioned, it started right when you were doing your OT work, but how did it transition into this business that you now have? Yeah. Um, oh, and I want, can I just say one more thing about the thyroid? Yes. So this, so I mentioned that the third time I had it, had it measured, it was 2.24 and it needed to be 2.18 for it to, for her to do something about it. 
I found my new doctor a, a month later and had it measured again. This one, she did a whole panel. My T3 was down to 2.02. So within a month, it dropped from wow. 2. Point. And do we see our PCP once a month? No. no. So I was on the downward trend. And um, just as a, a side note, at, sometime after then, I, I got the, the flu and I went to an urgent care that was within the same like hospital corporation in which that my PCP was in and that I worked for and all of that. And I was on a synthetic T3 at the time from okay. my functional medicine doctor. And they were asking me what medications I was on. And that was the medication I was on. And that medication wasn't even in their computer system. So that wouldn't have been an option for me had I continued to see this person anyways. She would have probably given me levothyroxine, which is a T4. And my problem was I wasn't converting T4 to T3. And what happens when you give somebody with low T3 levothyroxine is you actually boost their reverse T3 and in turn decrease their T3. And that is why we have a lot of perpetually sick people with hypothyroidism, specifically mm. Hashimoto's. And wow. I did have antibodies. I, my antibodies were 30. So I, my thyroid was under attack by my immune system at that point in time. It wow. Just, yeah. It's just, it's so sad. Like it just blows my mind. Right. Because yeah. I just like, and what do you think? I mean, maybe like pre-question before getting into the work that you do. It's like, how do you suggest then, right? If anybody is listening and they are having issues, it's like, how do you suggest? Because I also write, and I know Ali, you've had obviously experiences of being your own health advocate as well. But I think for someone like me who hasn't dealt with serious health issues, how do you even know where to begin advocating for yourself, right? Like you had this knowledge, right? Of medicine and you knew about teeth. Like, you know, I don't know any of this stuff, right? So how do you suggest people even begin to advocate for themselves if they just don't feel good? That's a really good question. I think what to you, to what you and Allie had alluded to in the past of that, that intuition, mm -hmm. listening to your body and and knowing that you're, I think for me, it was helpful. I needed somebody to tell me that my body wanted homeostasis. Mm. I needed somebody to tell me that. And once I, once I really believed that, I started listening to my body better. Mm -hmm. And I do think our body, I'm so grateful for those 3 a.m. panic attacks because that was my body saying, Stephanie, something's wrong. I yeah. need you to, I need you to fight harder for me. I truly and honestly think that like, I was on the road to something really bad. Mm. I think I was on the road to getting something really bad because I was not, I was not able to absorb the nutrients from my food. And I think that I was slowly like my arms and legs got really small and my belly got really big. And so, yeah, yeah I think that asking questions, anytime I'm working with a patient in the hospital, I, I, because the doctors make their rounds every day that I say, okay, what are you going to ask your doctor when they come see you? Mm. Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, what's bothering you right now? Why are you here in the hospital? What are your pain points? Right. What's not solved yet? Mm -hmm. And do you, and a lot of times patients, and I don't blame them, they're like, oh, I just want to go home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, are we going to, are we sending you home the right way? If we send you home right now as you are? 
what right. do we need to do to send you home the right way? Because I don't want you coming back here tomorrow. If, I, if we send you home today, I don't want you coming back tomorrow saying you didn't fix my problem. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good place to start too. When people feel overwhelmed, like even if you're listening to this episode and just feel like, you know, I don't know. I think it's also a generational thing too, to be honest a little bit, yes. because I've seen that a lot lately dealing with family issues of like my parents' generation and, um, and they're a little bit better than like my grandparents' generation, but there used to be this mentality of totally whatever the doctor says. And it's not that like, listen, there's amazing practitioners out there, but like people are also people. They're exhausted. They have to hit so many patients. They have it like you were saying like the four and a half minutes. I mean, they have a certain period of time where like if they spend over a certain period of time with patients, they're actually starting to lose money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so there's a lot of factors that a lot of people aren't aware of. And sometimes like, and doctors are incredibly knowledgeable about certain things. And like you said, in acute situations, it can be life-saving, but that doesn't necessarily support the, the body, especially in the healing process, which you see a lot as an occupational therapist. It doesn't see, it doesn't support the body always going back into that place of homeostasis. Like I, I mean, we could have a whole nother episode on this, but, um, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on that and even like <laughs> even hospital environments. And so yeah. one thing before we get into your work too, we've had these like side questions, but I think they're important. Yeah. One thing as you started to also work with a functional medicine doctor and, and you were talking about your, um, the range like your, of your labs and like what you needed to be in, in order to get certain sort of treatment. I remember when Dr. Will Cole came on our show for the first time and he was talking about oftentimes like those like normal ranges for reading labs are not, um, they're not always optimal just because they're normal. So he, you know, and that was really eye-opening too, where it's just like, okay, if I'm in between here and here, then I'm fine. But it's like those numbers, those averages are taken by a lot of ill Americans. Yep. And so that's and where we people. get them. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's optimal to be in that. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when you were speaking as well. Cause I've had the great fortune of having a holistic nutritionist and, um, I, I bring her my labs too, from my, you know, GP and she's, her numbers are different than their numbers, mm -hmm. especially with like vitamin D and different that things that can lead right down the road to longer term chronic illness, her numbers very different than what my amazing doctor who I actually really love, you know, mm -hmm. uh, has. It's so, I was thinking that too, Ali, it's interesting you bring that up when you were talking about your numbers. Cause yeah, yeah. And I think that's why your answer was so perfect because it's like that voice is not going to lead you in the wrong path. And you just have to trust yourself more than anybody else. Well, and to take that a step further, my, my doctor that I see now said, well, Steph, your, your T3 might naturally be really high. So even if it shows up in the middle of the range, that's low for you, right? That's low for you. And that's why you don't feel good. And that's why it's really important not to treat the lab and to go based off how you feel. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's, I think it's great for everybody to hear, regardless of what kind of ailment you might be feeling or something mm -hmm. just to trust that. Um, so I'd love to now transition with the work that you do and also mm -hmm. having had this experience of like learning that you had 
uh, a mold issue that, and black mold can be incredibly dangerous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So can you talk to us like a little bit about how you, um, treated that for yourself Mm -hmm. and what like your healing process was like, but then also you can like use that to go into, I know you do certain like work with liver detoxification and the body now in your own practice. So I would love to just hear like your experience with that for yourself and then how you work with other people as well. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so because I had to navigate and I don't, and I'm, I want to be careful. I don't want to discount any of the work that anybody has done to help me along my journey, but I do feel like I had to do a lot of it on my own, mm-hmm. had to learn a lot. And I didn't mention in between this time, I actually saw a, a holistic nurse practitioner for a while before I found my functional medicine doctor and she wasn't really able to help me and I kept continue to feel worse and worse. So that was the time period that I just did a ton of research. I knew that there were toxins in my body. Like I knew that I, I had enough knowledge to know that when you're constipated, that you know, pee, poop, and perspiration, those are the three ways you get rid of toxins. So I was spending a lot of time in a sauna to sweat out toxins and um, drinking a lot of water because those were the things that I felt like I could control. And meanwhile, I was reading about mycotoxins and because I knew that that was, I was on that path. I was reading a lot about hormones because hormones, if you don't poop them out, they get reabsorbed into your bloodstream and your liver has to process them over and over again. And so there were two reasons that I, I, focused on the liver. And one of them is because the liver is the organ that's responsible for purifying or cleansing your blood and your blood goes to all of your organs. And I, and I knew that if I could do something to help my liver, that that would help my digestion. The other thing that I thought was really interesting. So I do a chart review on every patient that I work with in the hospital. And there were two things that I had noticed in the past, you know, eight or so years that I've been practicing that were on the rise and that's hypothyroidism. Like everybody has a diagnosis of that. And then non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Yeah. And then more like even the the more severe form of that NASH, non-alcoholic pseudohepatitis, which is like the real unfortunate diagnosis. I've been seeing a lot of that. And I was thinking like, what, why, why is this? You used to only see non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or you, excuse me, used to only see cirrhosis of the liver with alcoholism mm-hmm. for people that, that overconsumed chronic overconsumption of alcohol. And I thought, this is so bizarre. What is attacking our livers? And that, that also spiraled me down to, okay, let me look at toxins. Toxins are, our, our, our body is, is our body, like I just started asking questions, right? Like, is our exposure to toxins higher now than it is? Yes, it is. It's actually, we are exposed to more toxins in a month than our grandparents were in their lifetime, just environmental toxins. Mm -hmm. So we have that stressor. We have toxins from processed food. That's not something that was a part of the standard American diet 30 years ago. And we have a lot of shoot, like if I, I'm at the point where if I pick up a box of granola bars, like I don't know half the ingredients on there. Right. So I have to put it back and be like, I'm, I'm just guessing that's not food. Uh, in fact, I feel like anything with the nutrition label probably isn't food right now. <laughs> um, and so that, and then I also, I've always, the past five or six years, I, I've had a strong passion for anti-glyphosate. I 
really, um, I've been, I've been at least educated on that, that portion for quite some time. Um, and I don't know where I was first introduced to that, but I knew that glyphosate played a role in our liver health and our susceptibility to, to disease and cancer. And so that is why I, I targeted, I decided to develop a program to target the liver because I wish that there was something like that for me when I was going through what I was going through. And so I thought, well, if I can create this for others and my program, well, I have two programs. I have one that's free and it's called the low tox life. So if anybody's wanting to learn more about environmental toxins, I want this knowledge out there. I want, I want it to be no barrier. I want people to have access to this. And so I talk about, and I try not to overwhelm people. I talk about kind of the, the big offenders in terms of environmental toxins, food toxins, toxins in our cosmetics and self-care products, Mm -hmm. just to kind of equip people with like the big, the big takeaways and so that's something that I offer. I try to offer it every other month and I'll send you a link that you can share with people. I'd love for, for anyone to attend that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, I'm really passionate about educating people on toxins and I have done all of the hard work learning about the different types of mold and different, different things and how our bodies process them differently and all of that goodness. And then my wellness program that I offer is a 10-day liver detox. I am not a fan of the term detox. However, that is the role that your liver plays in the body. So I think it's a, I think it's a fitting name, (laughs) but it's not like a trendy juice cleanse or anything like that. It's, we use real whole foods. I can, I make it as easy as possible. I give people a grocery list for the 10 days and we make yummy food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No one's being deprived of any food or any meals. It's all healthy. And I selected specifically liver-loving foods, foods that are really supportive for liver health. And I think the only thing that might be hard for people to give up, we don't drink coffee during the 10 days. And so I think that that is probably the hardest thing for people. But I would challenge you that you've done something harder in your life than giving up coffee for 10 days. And uh, in this in this program, I also do a master class on liver health. Mm-hmm. It's where we get together and we take a deep dive into the liver because I think when we know better, we do better. And if I have this this deep knowledge on liver health, I might as well share it with people. So that's what we do. And then I do also use strategic supplementation to kind of help push those those detox pathways open. And I have found some really great results from this that I wouldn't even dream of. One person that completed this program has had a rash on her leg for several years and she's been to multiple dermatologists and like gotten nowhere. And she did my 10 day liver detox and she took a picture of it and it's gone. It's not there anymore. So somehow her body was hanging on to toxins in her skin and this program just pushed it out of her. And that to me, that was like, okay, I, I have, I fulfilled my purpose. Yeah. This, this program was worth it. I can go, I can go home now. Um, but yeah, so that, that is my program. Another cool thing that I'm, I'm going to be offering um, early 2021 
is functional diagnostic testing. Mm -hmm. So I've done some training and certification in the Dutch test and the GI map test because those were pivotal for me in my, my journey. And so just to be able to offer those to others and maybe help them interpret the test results yeah. so that they can make informed decisions on their health um, and food sensitivity testing. That's another thing that I'm, I'm going to in the future offer to people, but that's what I have going on now. That's so cool. I love to like your focus on the liver and the work that you do now. I think that is so awesome. And I think, like you said, like the purpose of our liver is to detox our body. It's like a natural detoxification system. Um, and there's so much emphasis on the gut and, and I'm obsessed mm. with the gut and, you know, <laughs> different parts of our body, but the liver is, is so important. And I feel doesn't get as much, um, attention. So I think that's really cool that um, we're talking about it. And I love your program. And I love that you have an accessible program, right? For anybody who's listening, who just wants to learn more or be a part of it. It's free. Free is the best price. Yeah. So great. Um, but I want to ask, so you mentioned what are some foods or some things that anyone listening can do just to support their liver? And also, I would love to talk to you a little bit about alcohol because, mm. you know, I feel like alcohol is always so busy in wellness in general, but we are talking about the liver and you mentioned, um, I know non-alcoholic fatty liver, but alcohol affects our liver. So I'd love to talk yeah. to you both about some ways we can take care of our liver with, you know, food or yeah. anything that you recommend, but also on the other side of that, what do you think about alcohol consumption and our mm. liver? Is there a healthy way to enjoy it or are you just what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Nobody's asked me that one before about alcohol. Um, okay. So for foods that support the liver or can I broaden that to just practices that yes, support please. the liver? Okay. Mm -hmm. So some of my favorite things that I think are easy to do for the liver, uh, I'm a big fan of dan dandelion root tea. So that would be um, a liquid, I guess, but it's, uh, and, and make sure to get organic and you, I, shoot, I think you can get like dandy blend on Amazon for like eight bucks. It's super cheap and it's delicious. It's got like a caramely flavor, but um, dandelion root is really great at helping with that phase one, phase two detoxification. Um, beets are really great for, for your liver health. Greens are really great for your liver health. As far as practices, I am a huge fan of castor oil packs. I notice a really big difference when I use them and I use them consistently. And what I mean by that is you, you take a piece of organic flannel, you soak it in, in good old castor oil, you put that on your liver. So take, if you take your right hand and put it over your rib cage, that's about where your liver is. And uh, your liver is the largest organ in your body. And so that's another reason why I feel like it deserves some attention because if we were, if, like, I feel like we were made like that for a reason, mm -hmm. like our bodies were designed like that on purpose. And so I think it is worth our attention. It's also the only organ in your body where if you cut off a piece of it, it grows back. So it doesn't happen when you cut off a finger or a toe, right? But if you cut off part of your liver, it will grow back. And so that's really a cool thing about livers, um, especially if people are needing like partial transplants or something, mm -hmm. then that's something that it, it's not like somebody giving up a kidney where you're out a kidney, the, the donor actually can 
go back and sustain normal life afterwards. Um, but anyway, sorry, I got off topic. Castor oil packs are great. So you take a, a hot pack and you put that over, you, you put like a, I put a washcloth in between. I don't like wrapping my body in plastic. I know a lot of um, websites will tell you to like wrap plastic wrap over you, but I just, I'm not a fan of that because I think plastic has toxins in it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, and you just hold that on you for, and, and this is a great time if you're practicing self-care. I like to lay down and read a book while I'm doing this, or if it is a night where I'm like, oh, I, I heard you guys talking about Schitt's Creek. I'm a huge fan. Um, if I want to watch a good episode or two of Schitt's Creek, that's the perfect time. It's like I have my, my justification. I'm doing my castor oil pack time right now, so I have to watch Schitt's Creek. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, those are my favorite. Oh, and another really good practice. Oh, this is the best one. If you remember anything that I say for your liver, remember this one. So your liver does its main work while you're sleeping. Mm. So the best, absolute best thing you can do for your liver is when you wake up in the morning, drink a glass of water, a full glass of water with some lemon because lemon's going to help cleanse your liver. And that way, anything that's been sitting in there overnight is automatically flushed out and you're going to go to the bathroom and get rid of it. Okay, great. Thank you. Easy, easy to do. Yeah. Um, so what about um, alcohol? Oh, How do yes. you feel about alcohol with the liver? Goodness. I feel, I don't ever like to tell anybody that they can't have anything. I certainly don't want to live a deprived life. Um, I I am in a I am in a state right now where I am healing, so I am not consuming dairy or gluten. But I certainly hope that maybe down the road in the future, those are things that I can have occasionally. And I think that as long as your gut is healthy, I think you can tolerate things like alcohol. I would recommend to be cautious. Not all, all alcohol is equal. Yeah, And so you can make smart choices, especially uh, I think a wine can be tricky because wine carries a lot of junk if it's, if it's not made organically. There's, you're putting increased stress on your liver. I think you also need to consider your, your hormonal health. If you, I think that's where the Dutch test comes into play. So if you know how you metabolize estrogen, you you can make smarter choices about if or when you're going to consume wine. Mm -hmm. Because if you do not detox estrogen down the pathway that is safe, it's the 2-OH pathway. If you, don't, if you don't metabolize estrogen that way, then your risk for getting breast cancer or cervical cancer is up like, depending on your situation, it could be up to like 500%. So that's a big, so, so I can't, I can't give you like a blanket statement on alcohol and I'm sorry, but I think it depends on who you are. And I think it depends on what you're dealing with. I'm certainly not against alcohol. I think that alcohol can be fun and social and a part of life. And I certainly wouldn't want to deprive anybody of that, but I think that you need to know your body and need to know how your body works. I, I metabolize estrogen great, so I can have wine if I want. Um, but I don't metabolize gluten really well, so I beer is not for me right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's so, so just, helpful. Yeah. Just depends. But that's where I, t I like test, don't guess. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. test yourself, get, get your results and have those, make those informed decisions. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, I think that's great advice. Thank you. Um, so as we like start to wrap up, we always ask all of our guests three questions. Um, and the first one is how do you take care of yourself? What does your self-care look like um, and your non-negotiables on a daily basis? That is a really great question. I am a total morning person. Mm -hmm. I have established a morning routine and I am also human. I'm not perfect at it, but um, I like to get up early. I meditation is really big for me. I, and it's funny. I think Erica, you, you alluded to this earlier, but like the days that I don't want to meditate are like the days I need it the most. (laughs) So I find that when I don't want to meditate, it's like, uh, 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 girl, you got to do this. You got to do this because you're, you're yes. I, it sets the tone for my day. Um, I always write down every morning, three things that I'm grateful for. And that helps keep me grounded and centered around the things that, that I should focus on because we have those like running thoughts in our head that are t- those like same five thoughts that tend to be negative. And I really try hard to push those things out. Um, and I start my day off with a glass of water. That's kind of my, my thing. I do like to drink matcha and anybody that follows me on Instagram, I post way too many pictures of my matcha and my stories because it's a detox tea. It helps your body to detox. And it, I notice a huge difference when I drink it. And so I'm a big fan of it. Um, not because it's like a trendy thing at all. I could care less about that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my morning self-care. I, I make sure to, in my work schedule, I, I'm a big fan of, of body pump. That is like the exercise class I've been doing for like 11 years, I think. And so I've carved out time and my, my colleagues know that I am out of the office during those times during the week. And so that has been important to me. That's like my me time. And I, my muscles just need that tugging on to feel Mm. good. And then I also spend I go on at least one hike, sometimes five hikes a week, just depending on the week. I live in Nashville, so the weather is pretty mild and it's pretty, I can do that, which is nice. And I live by a ton of gorgeous parks that are super hilly and beautiful. And so, yeah, those are, those are my big self-care things. I'm an occupational therapist, so self-care is like the name of the game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, those are the practices that I have that really help to keep me grounded and, and feeling well. I love that. Our next question that we ask all our guests is what does being courageous mean to you? Coming on this podcast and sharing my scary story. (laughs) I love that. Uh, That's great. That's why this is courageous wellness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really struggled with reaching out to you guys because I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't share my story. Uh, But I know like I need to, because it's going to help somebody. So I just, it's not about me. Right. I just needed to get over myself and recognize that it's about helping others. And sometimes helping others is sharing your not sexy health story. Yeah. And I mean, you have two girls right here who just gained so much from your story. Like my mind, this whole episode, I've just enjoyed it so much. So thank you for having the courage to share your journey with us and with all of our listeners. Um, And then also, do you have any recommendations uh, for a book that has been particularly inspirational to you? It can be on anything. It doesn't have to be specifically on wellness. I am a book person. That's really hard for me to 
narrow down to one. Um, can I share a podcast? Yeah. I, this is just coming to mind right now, and so I, I don't know why. Um, but I've really, I've really learned a lot from um, Brett Hawes' Holistic Health Masterclass. Okay. If you've, it's, um, he's in Canada, and he uh, talks a lot about he, – he's a, a professor in – I don't know if he's a professor in, like, nutrition or functional medicine or what he – but he is just – crazy knowledgeable and I find myself being drawn to listening to him on my nature walks lately. Um, I'm rereading the Jane Austen novels right now. So that's what's <laughs> at the top it. of my head. So I don't, I'm like, that's all I can think about is like Northanger Abbey. And I'm like, well, that's not what I should share with no, you. Oh, that's audience. so great. No, it's great. We love a novel recommendation and a podcast recommendation. So uh, thank you for both of those. Um, so where can everyone find you? If someone wants to download your guide, of course, it's going to be in our show notes, but where can people find you and stalk you and work with you on the internet? Yeah. So, uh, for social people, I'm on Instagram at holistic Stephanie Marie, and I'm Stephanie with a pH, um, in the middle. And my website is theholistichouse.org. And that is where you can find any of my programs. You can also find them on the link in my bio and Instagram. I try to update that every week so that everything is, is up to date. My podcast is Daily Detox with Stephanie Center. And yeah, I, I encourage you to sign up for the Low Tox Life. It's free and it's super informative. And I hope that it will help you to make better informed decisions and then you can share that knowledge with somebody else and then maybe we can all vote with our dollars and hold these companies accountable to making better products. Yes. Thank you, Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness. <laughs>